listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL Show your first listen every Tuesday and Friday. For free and available on all platforms, now including YouTube. My name is Mary Clark, staff writer for The Win, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mary C. Clark. I'm here with Andrew Berkshire, NHL analyst for the Montreal Gazette and host of Game Over Montreal on the SDPN. You can follow on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. On this Tuesday edition of the Crosscheck, this past weekend's Battle of Alberta was a wild one between the Oilers and Flames. But I have to ask the question again, why didn't Edmonton trade for a goaltender? Plus, Evgeny Dadanov had a real is having a real impact for the Golden Knights since his trade snafu, but it may be coming too little too late to save this team. And finally, Marc-Andre Fleury is really just a penguin at heart, and honestly, I don't blame him. So, Andrew, before we start off today's show, how you doing? I'm doing all right. We had a, a pretty crazy weekend here. Uh, the kids decided to trade off days where they were both very angry. But uh, Dylan got his first library card, which was super fun. He got to go pick out a whole stack of books, and he spent uh, a bunch of Saturday just sitting down reading picture books. So that was that was really fun. And yeah, it was a good weekend. We got to see some friends. And uh, then, of course, there was back to back Canadians games for me to cover at night and the Oscars, which, as everyone knows, we're going to have to talk about at some point. Yeah. Oh, boy. We were talking about it on the like one week, you know got everything together and we're you know just talking to each other for the first time since the weekend and my god what a i was saying to you andrew before we started the show that i was working that night and that was one of the most surreal nights i've ever worked in my life uh and usually i cover sports but since you know i worked a website that you know does sports and pop culture and as a lot of sports websites do uh yeah we had to pivot hard (laughs) Uh, I was writing, you know, a fun, a funny take about, you know, their bad performance of We Don't Talk About Bruno from Encanto because, you know, that song is a hit and, you know, song is great, but I'm just sad it wasn't performed the way it should have been, you know, with the full cast uh, and stuff. But like, then, you know, craziness happens and the slap heard around the world and all that stuff. We'll, we'll get to that in the pop culture segment. We'll dedicate time to that at the end. There is hockey to talk about, but my weekend was good. Had a relaxing weekend. Uh, got to hang out with friends uh, in person and virtually. Um, and yeah, it was just a good relaxing weekend. Uh, it is super cold here, though, so I am... <laughs> You know, it of course, it has to end with a downer and it's like below freezing here. And I'm like, come on, it's the end of March, guys, please. Oh, yes, it's 20 degrees below freezing here. Oh, God. All right. It's not Out that bad nowhere. here. <laughs> yeah, it's not that bad. But I'm I'm glad we're both dealing with, you know, colder temperatures than normal. And it's a shame because, like, like I said, we're at the end of March. We should be, you know, exiting this period of cold weather. And I just I want to go outside again. And I can't because it I. It's, you know, cold, and I think there's supposed to be some sort of snow squall here, which is just, you know, you got to love a good snow squall on the alliteration. But let's get into the hockey, because there was a lot of uh, of fireworks this weekend in terms of, you know, what happened with the hockey. Uh, So we had yet another Battle of Alberta between the Flames and the Oilers over the weekend. And my God, it was uh, something to see. I didn't watch the game because I was off that night, but I checked Twitter intermittently during the night. (laughs) 
And the final score was nine to five Oilers. So there were a lot of, you know, good nine to five jokes as you were, because Twitter is just on fire with this type of stuff. Uh, but yeah, the, the flames best at the Oilers nine to five, uh, but Calgary scored all of those goals at even strength, which is what I found really interesting. Um, and just, uh, I keep coming back to our conversations we've had, Andrew, over the last couple of months of, you know, the Oilers need to get a goaltender. The Oilers need to get a goaltender. The trade deadline comes and goes. The Oilers don't get a goaltender. And we see the ramifications of this played out before us here, Andrew. Uh, what did you think of that game? Did you watch it? Um, or did you, you know, just pick up on the reaction like I did afterwards? I didn't watch the beginning of it because I was still doing my show uh, game over after the Canadians game because it was Habs Leafs and then the Battle oh, yeah. of Alberta. Right. So it was a great, great day for Canadian hockey, really. <laughs> but I mean, I watched from, I'd say, midway through the second period through to the end of the third and stayed up extra late just to watch this game and take it in because it was so wild. And yes, absolutely. I was thinking about why the Oilers didn't have a goaltender because they, they flat out don't. Um Maybe they bring up Stuart Skinner at the end of the year. I feel like that's the only option that they have. They cannot go into the playoffs with these two sieves. They cannot do it. Like I, I try to be as respectful as possible when we're talking about NHL players. And obviously, we could never do that job, Mary. But mm -hmm. these guys can't either. <laughs> they can't. It's so obvious. Yeah. It's been obvious the whole year. The fact that Ken Holland sat on his hands for this is embarrassing and mike smith has signed another year another year yeah uh, what but, are they doing yeah, what are they doing uh and uh, i don't i don't know who started the game so you may be able to tell me um koskinen okay so koskinen started the game uh he had five goals against on 12 shots faced for a pitiful 583 save percentage and mike smith came in I would assume like, I believe it was probably in the second period because the second period had like, it was like a ridiculous amount of goals by like the halfway point of the game. It was, it was bananas. Um, and then Mike Smith came in and he allowed four goals on uh, 26 shots for at least a little bit better. Eight, four, six save percentage. That at least is more in line with like, you know, you're getting blown out a little bit like, four to nothing, five to nothing type of deal. Yeah. Uh, but not nearly as like bad as, you know, Koskinen's night was, but my God, it was just, it was a bloodbath. Um, and I mean, the flames look really good though. They, you know, they did let in five goals and stuff like that, but still like this flames offense is something else. But it, I also wrote down in here that dry saddle had a hat trick, but it didn't matter. Yeah. It didn't, it, it didn't matter at all that he had a hat trick um, and just with how ridiculous the game was overall. And I think the other thing I come out of this, uh, like this game, even though I didn't watch it, um, I don't know if they play anytime else during the season, but this has to be a playoff matchup. Andrew, this, this has to be like it, the battle of Alberta is like, you know, fantastic on its own in the regular season, but playoff format just, you know, blows it out of the water i would absolutely take a full seven game series of a game exactly like that it basically oh, be like flyers penguins from what 2012 2011 pretty whichever, much whichever year that was it would basically be like that all over again and we haven't had that in some time that was like the only series i can remember um at least in recent memory that you know was as chaotic and like 
wild with its goaltending in the way that was it but nothing has compared since then but i think if we you know got oilers flames in the playoffs it would at least this version of the oilers and flames i think it would end up being something similar because the oilers just can't stop the puck they just they just can't and it is in it, it makes for tremendous content but my god it is torpedoing their team and possibly their chances in the playoffs this year andrew yeah, and the the fact that we might not actually get the Battle of Alberta in the playoffs is it's going to piss me off, Mary. Uh, <laughs> we need to see this. They haven't faced each other in the playoffs since 1991. Yeah. And like there's still rivalry there for sure. And I feel like Mike Smith, the whole same percentage, like, yeah, 846 isn't the worst I've ever seen. But it also like the Flames were no longer pushing. You know, they they outshot the Oilers in the third period by a staggering margin, by the way, 16 to four. But they weren't pressing. Right. It was, mm-hmm. They were just kind of keeping the puck in their zone, throwing the odd softy on net. There was a few times where Smith made a save and it was like not a very difficult save. And he did the whole like big flash the leather like it was like a big deal. Mm-hmm. And man, if I was on the Oilers, I'd be so goddamn pissed off that he was pulling that garbage in a nine to five game where he was the second goalie in. And he, I'm pretty sure he let in like the first shot that he faced. Mm-hmm. Like you were brought in to relieve and you immediately got destroyed. You let in a bunch of like not great goals. Didn't make a single save on a scoring chance until the third period. Stop it with the theatrics, like get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, it, it drives me nuts when, when goalies do that, when it's not appropriate, but to, see Smith do it with the season that he's had with the game that he was having that should have been winnable for the Oilers at a certain point in the, in the game, it was a hundred percent, a winnable game. I mean, they scored five goals on Calgary that usually, usually can constitute like a win or some, or like getting to overtime perhaps, but no, like, but we, but we really need this rivalry to be in the playoffs though. Cause like, the Canadians and the Leafs last year played for the first time since I believe 1971. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was 76. Yeah, it was a long time. But it was a long, 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 time long ago. time. And that reignited that rivalry. Like that really hasn't been a rivalry for the like most of my entire life, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's like there's some intensity, but usually one of the teams is good and the other team is really bad. And like the hockey is okay. Usually there's some shenanigans, but it's never, it's never Montreal, Boston, right? Right now that rivalry is serious. And even like in the lost season for the Canadians, they're winning that season series while the Toronto Maple Leafs are legitimate cup contenders. Like under Martin St. Louis, the Canadians have outscored the Leafs now nine to three. Didn't you say like on Twitter, didn't you say on like on Twitter like ten percent of the Canadians wins this year have come against the Maple Leafs or something? Eleven percent. Eleven percent. Yeah, I didn't want to make this first segment. I was gonna. I was like, I should talk about the Maple Leafs because you know that game. Yeah, was- let's let's ignore the Maple Leafs. Yeah, but, like, like, my we whole don't have point to, is, but yes. Canada gets so little from the NHL in terms of trying to grow the game. They're as a country, the NHL treats Canada as, well, you're going to buy the ticket anyways, so why do we have to give anything to you? And a lot of their focus is on the Sunbelt teams, which fair, because you need to grow there, but there's a whole generation of Canadians, specifically like Gen Z and younger, that just don't really watch hockey. 
like the Toronto Raptors are way more popular in Toronto than the Maple Leafs are right now for young generations. You look at there's demographics that come out every year of like what the average age is of who watches hockey and surprise, surprise, the average age goes up by one every single year because there's no new fans coming to the game to have these Canadian rivalries reignited to a level that you see only in the playoffs is really good for the game. And this kind of wild hockey, <laughs> as much as, you know, if, if it's a full seven game series of it, you kind of might get a little bit tired of it. Like and... the, I think it gets a little sloppy, right? Sure. Especially but... if it's like just one team just can't stop a shot. If it's great hockey and it ends up being high scoring, that's fine. But it, this kind of stuff, it brings eyes. It brings new eyes to the game. So I'm all for it, but I would like the Oilers to be a little bit more competitive in the game. Yeah, department. yeah. You know, competitiveness is good, though. I must say, you know, as somebody who was invested in that Flyers-Penguin series, in the end, it ended up being great because, you know, the Flyers won. But being <laughs> in the middle of that, that is terrible. So I'd love it to happen to another two teams that I'm not invested, like emotionally <laughs> invested in. So, like, you can see where I'm coming from here with my point of view of, like, this would be great. Because I'm not emotionally invested. But yes, you want a bit more competitiveness. But I also do wonder if, you know, the whole rivalries dropping off with, you know, Canadian teams is, you know, due to the fact that, you know, until more recently, a lot of the Canadian teams just haven't, you know, been very good, haven't made like long runs through the playoffs. I mean, we've seen how long the, you know, Canadian overall Stanley Cup drought is. Uh, so I, maybe that also plays a factor in it, too, as to why, you know, some of these rivalries have died out, or at least in terms of like haven't been as relevant in terms of like, you know, the Maple Leafs and Canadians. I think the like Oilers Flames continues to spark throughout the years because who was it? Was it Milan Lucic was involved with something? I'm trying to remember. When is he not? This is true. But like, wasn't there like a whole big thing? Like, I feel like. This happened before the pandemic, so this is why my memory is, like, right before the pandemic, the season before. So this is why my memory is a little bit fuzzy on it. But I swear there was some sort of incident involving Lucic, maybe Kachuk. I don't know. I don't remember. But, like, there was, like, a whole big thing. It was, like, it was, like, it was, like, billing as, like, must-watch TV, and there were fights and stuff like that. And I don't know. I'm getting all of this wrong because my memory, as I've said before, is in shambles because of the pandemic. But, you know, at least the Oilers and Flames have always seemed to, like, have some sort of sparks, whether it just be, you know, from... Because, you know, Connor McDavid and Drysaddle are so good, or because, you know, you get something like, you know, Kachuk doing random stuff and it you know blowing up and all that so yeah chuck's a shithead yeah we love him yeah i mean it's 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 good for inciting you know excitement over this type of stuff and i think the key takeaways though is edmonton why didn't you get a goalie this is yes. going to be their downfall if they're going to go out in the playoffs like and it, it kind of looks like they're going to like they don't look like they're going to be able to contend with the top teams. It's probably going to be on their goaltending and they really don't have anybody but themselves to blame. But also we need Calgary Edmonton either in the first round. I don't know how it would, you know, happen can, like to make it happen, like where the Oilers would have to finish. Um, these, I believe the flames are tops in the Pacific. So they would probably have to finish what in the first wild card spot. I think I don't remember the NHL's playoff thing is confusing and i hate it uh but yeah so i think that's where we're going to you know leave off this segment but 
God, hockey is fun, especially when, like I said, when it is not involving teams I'm emotionally invested in. Stuff like this is just a great time. It's great to score goals. Like score, scoring goals is what you know people want to see and why people are drawn to the game. Just the absolute ridiculousness. And sure, it may not have been like competitive hockey from the Oilers, but it was fun as long as you're not an Oilers fan, I think. So uh, we're going to end it there. And then coming up next, we're going to talk about uh, an extension of what we talked about last week is uh, Evgeny Dadanov um, showing up big time for Vegas uh, in the games that he has played so far since the whole trade nonsense uh, fell apart. Uh, but we will talk about that coming up right after this. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four and will determine this year's national champion this coming week. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. That's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, Andrew. So, you know, I, w- I keep thinking back to last night because we're recording this on Monday. Uh, and, you know, we're still fresh off of the Oscars, Will Smith stuff. And I thought, you know, my work, uh, like, you know, work last night was just going to be, you know, March Madness stuff as it is. And, you know, since we're heading into the final week, all I can think about is just the Oscars. I can't believe that went down. But like I said, we're going to talk about that later. It's just, you know, the memes, the jokes keep invading my mind during this uh, recording. But we're going to continue on and talk about something, like I said, we mentioned last week, uh, since, you know, we're now removed, a week removed as we record this from the trade deadline. Um, Evgeny Dadanov has showed up big time for Vegas. Uh <laughs> coming off of his, uh, you know, failed trade to Anaheim. Um, And he has had five points in two games since the trade deadline. Obviously, not very many games played, but that's a lot of points. And they won those two games, Andrew. Uh, And he had a huge goal in overtime for Vegas against Chicago to get them a much-needed extra point. I believe they came back during that game, too. Um, He's really showing them, like... like he's really showing them that he didn't want to be traded here, Andrew, right? Like this is clearly like some sort of response, like either whether it be intentional or not, like, cause obviously I don't know the player at all, but like intentionally or not, this is a response to uh, that Hulk or Fuffle, right? I don't know because he's actually on a four game goal streak that started Ooh. before the deadline. So he has five goals in four games. The, the assist production is new in terms of like his recent streak, but I think he might just be a guy who's hot and refused to cool off with but, all the stuff on the sidelines happening. But my narratives, Andrew, <laughs> I know. I mean, the best possible narrative that I've seen that I've seen put out there a couple of times now is that Evgeny Dadanov is going to be incredible down the stretch and he's going to put the Vegas Golden Knights in position to make the playoffs. And I believe their final game of the year is against the Anaheim Ducks. Oh boy. And it's going to go to overtime. And Evgeny Dadnov with the Vegas Golden Knights needing one point is going to purposely score an own goal <laughs> and then celebrate with the Anaheim Ducks. Oh, Andrew, I wish this could happen so much, but it's the NHL. It's never going to happen. No, I mean, oh. that's, that will only ever happen in professional wrestling. Yes. Unfortunately, but uh, yes. it would be great. List. Could you imagine I know. the stories we would the get? Content. Oh, 
What a It would be incredible. It would be incredible. But, you know, I mean, he's like it's great to know that, you know, he's currently on a hot streak. Uh, but it definitely is, you know, taking on a bit of a new light, uh, considering, you know, the failed trade to Anaheim, all the shenanigans that went down uh, because of that. Uh, it's just an unfortunate situation all around. And I hope I know that people had talked about this. I hope that, you know, Vegas doesn't trade him to another team because there was after like the whole trade was voided thing, there were people discussing the possible merits of him being traded to another team, you know, for salary cap space, basically. But, you know, he wouldn't be able to play the rest of the season or the playoffs because, you know, you can't like if you're traded because you can make trades after the, de the deadline, but you can't play in any games. Uh, so technically it would be possible for him to get moved. But I really hope he doesn't. I don't think they're going to uh, because he's been putting up so many points. But it would just be such a bummer, honestly, if, you know, he got traded at this point and couldn't play. It would be such a huge bummer. He didn't do anything to deserve this. He's just, you know, caught in this un an unfortunate situation. Um, and, you know, I'm glad that he is, you know, basically kind of showing everyone, be like, hey, you were going to trade me. But now I'm, you know, directly impacting wins for your team. Uh, and it's helping keep Vegas afl afloat, too, right now. Uh, as of Monday, they're in that last wildcard spot with 76 points. Um, the Dallas Stars are chasing them at 75, and they have four games in hand. Uh, so it's not looking good, but but they're currently in that last wildcard position. Um, and, you know, anything can happen down the stretch of the season. Uh, I mean, they haven't looked good recently. Their last in their last ten games are four, six, and zero. Oh, obviously, on a two-game winning streak, and you know, a lot of that is in part due to Dadanov's production. But the Stars have four games in hand on them. Um, you know, the other teams chasing them: Winnipeg, Vancouver. They each have multiple games in hand on Vegas too. Like I, I looked at Money Puck uh, Sunday night when I was you know writing up the doc that their odds, I believe, coming into Monday were basically. 44 47 i think it was like 47 so nearly a 50 50 chance yeah they were below like 26 percent at one point so they've won a couple yeah. in a row here and it's made them a little, little bit likely but uh, you mentioned you know dallas has a bunch of games in hands games in hand so does st louis who are right ahead of them like st louis is the one that i think has the highest risk of missing the playoffs of the teams that are in it because nashville is in there they're actually playing well right now St. Louis is three, four and three in their last 10. They're oh, yeah. really struggling right now. And they're also just not a good team. They've been mostly goaltending during this entire season. It's like their underlying numbers are not great. I'm kind of sorting something right now to figure out <laughs> how bad, but uh, yeah, they had, well, Jordan Bennington is the big story um, in St. Louis and has been, but he hasn't played well this year. So they've had some other goal. Really who's yeah, Billy Huso, uh, you know, taking reps in net uh, and done well in at least I believe, you know, the last time I checked had done well. Uh, but, you know, it's not really carrying them as much now. Uh, and they very well, you're right, could pay the price. But did I did yeah. I stall long enough for you to? Yes. You know, OK, good, good. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, St. Louis not only has the highest shooting percentage in the NHL in all situations this year, which let's face it, they do not have the team talent to justify that. That's like a Tampa Bay, Florida, Toronto thing. They also are the league leader in 
the most disparity between their actual goals for percentage and their expected goals for percentage mm-hmm. per evolving hockey. And the gap is huge. St. Louis is 6.32% higher in actual goals for percentage than expected. Mm-hmm. And the next biggest is the New York Rangers at 5.02, 5.04. And remember, the Rangers are the team that everyone's kind of been dogging on this year as a major paper tiger. And, oh, they're all Shesterkin and high shooting percentage from Kreider and a couple other guys. The Rangers are less of a paper tiger than the St. Louis Blues are. Mm-hmm. which is pretty incredible. And then below them, you have teams like the Colorado Avalanche, who are, of course, out shooting expectations because they're incredible. And the Nashville Predators, who are another kind of paper tiger team. Yeah. But overall, the gap between St. Louis and everyone else is crazy in terms of how much they've outperformed their actual, like what they've earned. And I think this bad luck streak that they're not bad luck streak, but like this bad streak that they're on right now could last the rest of the season. They could slide right out. It's possible. I mean, currently as of Monday, money puck has them at a 97.3% to make the playoffs. But you know, that's where I just, I go to look at my like quick snapshot predictions, like, you know, playoff predictions. There's probably other ones out there that could tell you different things. Um, but it is it is certainly a, like a bit of a wild time out there in the West. St. Louis is, you know, at 97.3, Nashville at 92.4, the Kings at 90.7. I'm still going to continue to do my little victory lap about the Kings because, you know, it's, it's, you nice, it's nice to be right. It is. I don't get a lot of things right. And when I do, I'm going to celebrate them. We won't but, bring yeah. up the Penguins. <laughs> No, don't bring up the Penguins or the Capitals, but or the Islanders for me. We're not going to talk about the Islanders. <laughs> We're just not going to talk about it. But yeah, then it gets you know lower as you go down. Edmonton's at eighty five point four. Dallas, you know, sitting like I said, sitting currently out of a wild card spot now, but they're at seventy point four, and Vegas is at forty four point seven, so about forty five percent, a little less than half and half to make it. Um, before we close out this segment, though, I do want to you know ask. Because, you know, this is probably going to be the biggest topic heading into the final weeks of the season. Because we are approaching the last month of the season. Because I believe the playoffs don't start until May this year. They usually start around mid-April. But since the season got, you know, moved and stuff um, because of the pandemic, we're still, you know, dealing with lasting effects. I believe it starts in May. Uh, We're going to continue talking about this topic, I'm sure. But, Andrew... As we head into the final month of the season, does Vegas make the playoffs or not? I don't think so. I think they have too many injuries. Uh, the fact that they can't activate Mark Stone. Yeah. Like, there's still there's still the option that if he's actually healthy and they have to activate him, that they just forfeit the rest of the season. And the cap carries over into next year, so they're yeah. screwed for next year, too. It, I don't think they have the horses right now. And I know Max Pacioretty tried to come back. Uh, I heard from a source that he was going to try to make a comeback, but like his groin injury was pretty serious and he had a setback as soon as he tried to get back into mm. the lineup. So he may not play again this season. Jack Eichel seems to be back, but might be in and out down the stretch. And Mark Stone will probably not be allowed to play just due to cap concerns. Either he'll be injured the rest of the season, or if he comes back, they'll be locked out because they can't lose that much salary. They would have to clear nine million. It's a lot to get yeah. him in. Like yeah. they would, they would have to waive and hope somebody claims 
Jonathan Marcheseau and somebody else worth four million. <laughs> like, yeah. And no yeah. one's going to help out Vegas. No one. No one is helping out Vegas. I mean, somebody might claim a good player if they go yeah. out, out there, right? Like, especially sure, if you've got but the cap space. But... but they're not going to like, if they see that and they're like, you know, sure, Marcheseau may be up for grabs for free. But like, if you know, I don't know who else is on their roster that would fit the other part of the equation there. But like, you know, I don't think that no they're, one. yeah, they're not going to do uh, Vegas any favors if it makes their team better. Sure. But they're not going to, you know, help them out from you know, the kindness of their heart. I mean, we talked about, you know, waivers and NHL GMs last week with, you know, what they do to the Toronto Maple Leafs because they think it's funny. Um but yes, I, I'm very much in agreement. I don't think Vegas is making it. And I don't think that that's it's a bad thing either. They have made the playoffs every single year since they have been in the NHL. And it yeah, is okay. Have some adversity. <laughs> there have, you go. They have faced adversity. Sure, they made it to the Stanley Cup final in their first year, but they've lost. And, you know, they haven't been as good as that first run or as, you know, good and lucky as that first run. Um, but yeah, it is... I think it's good for them to, you know, miss out this year. They, It's okay if you do. A lot, the cards have been stacked against them this year in terms of the injuries and everything, like, and just everything, like their goaltending situation and all that stuff. So, you know, I, it's not a bad thing if they miss the playoffs this year. I think, you know, we've seen it with teams that, you know, these things can be a one-off. I mean, look at the Islanders this year. Nobody was expecting them to be, as bad as they are and you know they're probably going to still be contenders next year if i had to guess uh i mean maybe their you know system is a little bit flawed in the way they you know construct their team without much scoring but you know it i think this is a good thing for vegas if they miss i don't it's not going to be catastrophic sometimes the deck is just too stacked against you and it really seems like unless there is a complete miracle here um, they're they're just gonna they're gonna miss because you know a team like Dallas is gonna like they're gonna run out of runway basically you know they might be by the time they finish all their games they might be you know in a playoff spot but if you know Dallas still has one more game to play you know yeah it won't matter it's not gonna matter so Dallas doesn't need to be that good to be to beat out Vegas at the end of the year here you know who's gonna be real happy if Vegas misses the Buffalo Sabers. Ooh, who why? own their first round pick this year? Oh yeah, this now thing. it is top ten protected, but there's no way that Vegas falls into nah, the unless we get some you know shenanigans with the draft order. But you know that won't be for another month, I believe, because I, I you know oh that's gonna be that's gonna be a wild time because you know didn't the last couple of drafts have gone usually to the the team that finished last? Correct, like we haven't had. A lot of chaos in the last like two years, right? If I'm remembering correctly, it feels like we're due. It feels like we're due for a big shakeup, you know. Mostly, yeah, I feel like the last two big shakeups were both the Rangers, weren't they? With the Rangers, and then you know the Nolan Patrick draft, you know, with the Flyers and Nico Heischer going to the Devils. Uh, I know that was like a handful of years back now, but like that's the that's the big one I always come back to because you know you jump up from what 13th to second or 11th to second, whatever it was with the Flyers. You know, that's a really huge jump. Yeah, uh, Buffalo got it last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Buffalo. And then I'm pretty sure the year before was also like. It was the Rangers. Oh, they, was they, it? Yeah, they moved up a bunch of spots, actually, I think. Oh, that's right. Okay. Lefrenier. That's right. I can't believe that was only two years ago. 
wild. Uh, all right, but we're going to move on from this topic and we're going to finish out the hockey talk with something I just thought was kind of funny um, because this is like a cute little lighthearted story. And honestly, I can't I can't resist the charm and appeal of Marc-Andre Fleury. He's just, he's just too charismatic, guys. I'm sorry. I love him. Uh, but we're going to talk about uh, Fleury not being so keen on going to uh, Washington uh, as a, you know, a possible deadline move that didn't happen. And that'll be coming up right after this. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the prices, the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there, how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com all right andrew like i said before the break i thought that was just a funny story uh because you know you know there there was some hockey there was hockey happening this weekend but you know i didn't want to retread our you know usual maple leafs canadians flyers shenanigans all that wins yeah exactly so i thought of like a i saw this like really funny quote going around from Marc Andre Fleury uh, over the weekends when I believe he was asked on NHL on TNT's intermission show. Uh, and I'm reading, like, I'm just reading a tweet here um, that he basically said that he respects the caps, but wasn't interested in coming to Washington at the deadline after all of the playoff battles as a member of the penguins, because, and I quote from Fleury here, it just didn't seem right. Uh, and I saw a lot of, you know, Penguins fans uh, on my timeline having a good time with this tweet and being like, man, he's a he's just a penguin at heart, spoken like a true penguin. Uh, and I get it. Uh, that is absolutely a, an endearing quote. And it has to be if, you know, you're a Penguins fan. It was to me, at least, you know, even though I'm, you know, a Flyers fan, it is a very endearing because, you know, Flurry to me is a penguin will always be a penguin. Like, I, I really think he is going to, you know, sign in Pittsburgh before he retires. But you know, dude is a dude's a charismatic dude, and um, one of the reasons why he's so beloved in Pittsburgh is just he's he seems to be a nice dude, and the you know it it basically is like nothing personal, Washington, but <laughs> it just wouldn't feel right uh, going to Washington uh, and having to face Pittsburgh in you know the rest of the season or you know a playoff battle, uh, which I thought was neat because you know he was linked to Washington. I had like you know I had seen rumors that you know he was linked to Washington and he ended up going to Minnesota. But any thoughts on this quote, Andrew, or do you just want to you know sing the praises a little bit of Flurry here, who seems to be just a good dude and a good quote? I mean, I I think it's cool that he didn't want to go to Washington, didn't want to face his uh, former Penguins teammates. That he's still hanging on to that. That's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. But I am going to have to, unfortunately, take a little bit of the air out of the tires no. on the Andre Fleury appreciation because there, there's a bunch of speculation or like attempted dunking when the whole uh, Mark andre Fleury refused to go to certain places thing came out. And 
one of the mentions was like, oh, he didn't want to go to Toronto or Edmonton. Or specifically, it was said he didn't want to go to Canada. Well, Marc-Andre Fleury is Canadian, so that's like a little bit weird, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a reason for that. And it's Marc-Andre Fleury's wife, who is 100% one of those Freedom Convoy uh, people. Well, And the fact is, wives and girlfriends are undefeated when it comes to you learn too much and you don't like it anymore. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I only know it because somebody else sent it to me and... I have a policy of if there's any NHLer that I like, I try not to look at their likes if they mm -hmm. have a Twitter or an Instagram. I try not to learn too much about their family outside of like, oh, their kids are cute. They have a nice dog. That's great. Mm -hmm. Because odds are they support some political things that you think are ridiculous because they're rich. And I mean, let's face it, uh, most NHLers, about 95% of them are married to the same girl, the blonde, the white girl. And mm -hmm. she's probably anti-vax. I mean, Carrie Price has got that with his it's wife. Like that, it's like that meme of all the, the guys lined up at like a sporting event where they're all like lined out in a row and they all just look like the same dude. Yep. And I feel like we can t we can make jokes that this Andrew B's we are two white people. <laughs> like, I think we can. I think we're allowed to make jokes. The at, one joke at, we're at allowed this, to make at, the, at this expense because we too can, you know, are, are white and are allowed to make this joke. But yes, uh, sure. I, I I accept what you are telling me, but in my mind, I'm rejecting it. So, <laughs> so thank you for this this little truth bomb that I'm going to conveniently forget because you know Mark Andre Fleury seems like just I don't know it, it, he let his teammates his former teammates like him. He you know I I can completely understand the um you know the not wanting to go up against your former team. It's like you know Giroux wanted only to go to Florida and. Had he gone to the Avalanche, he would have faced the Flyers uh, less than a week since he had been traded, or basically a week since he had been traded. So, like, I get it. I get it. I completely understand it. Uh, so, I don't know. It, but he's definitely, though, like, he's he's absolutely re-signing in Pittsburgh before he retires, right? Like, yeah, I don't I know what his contract, it. I don't know what his contract situation looks like. I believe, is he only on, what, a one-year deal? Or is it the end of it? Is it yeah, is he's at the a, end of his deal? He's unrestricted at the end of this year. And I don't know if Pittsburgh is really going to be interested for next year, but I don't know. He's pretty close to the end of his career. Maybe it will be. Yeah, he's 30. He's 37. I mean, you know, you could just sign him on for one more year. I don't know. He likes Pittsburgh enough. It seems that like, would he just want to go there and be the backup and like, just have a nice final farewell, farewell tour. It doesn't seem like a bad option to me. Like, I don't yeah, know. I mean, I, he doesn't have the numbers of a starter anymore. He's been yeah. like a one a one B for the last few years. So this is and this is about would, where he's supposed to be. And he would absolutely take a hometown discount to play in Pittsburgh. If this quote is any indication, like he he loves Pittsburgh. He it's you know, he doesn't want to face his former teammates, his former team, you know, his former fans uh, as a, you know, member of, you know, a rival of his, you know, going back years and years now. So, like, I don't know. It feels like the perfect final ending spot for Flurry. You know, the Penguins sign him on July 1st to, you know, can even be like a league minimum deal and just, you know, let him have his final farewell tour. Because, um, you know, they never got that with Yager. So, like, I mean, to be fair, Yager is technically still playing, just not in the NHL. Uh, so, you know, he... Hasn't retired from hockey because I don't he's never going to retire from hockey. But, you know, I know that's like kind of a sore spot for Penguins fans that, you know, Yager didn't stay a Penguin for his entire career and basically went to the Flyers and then hopped around other teams and all that and, you know, continued to do his career in 
So maybe, you know, they'll actually get their nice little farewell tour with Flurry and it will, you know, you know, come together with the final era of that team and all of their players will, you know, after, you know, next year, it'll just be a nice farewell tour for this Penguins team and then they'll fade out, out of relevancy. That's my hope. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I've predicted the Penguins' death many times uh, and it has never come to pass. So I'm, I should never try to. But, yeah, just a little fun story, I thought, to, you know, end off the hockey segment. Uh, but we're going to spend the next amount of time before... <laughs> Before we end the show, I've spent I've spent talking about the Oscars, and I spent and you know we spent a little like a bunch of the show talking about hockey, but we've got like a lot of time left to talk about the Oscars, everything that went down. Uh, I don't know if we have any other you know fun things we want to talk about from the Oscars. I know you didn't watch all of it, Andrew, but you know I didn't watch any of it. Okay, I only you didn't saw watch, you didn't watch any of it, but you know. The important things were there in the tweets and the memes, but we'll talk about that coming up right after this. This is the time of year I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Bilt Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of the on one of Bilt Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. So good. These are going to be your new favorite. All boat bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, Puffs included. 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Go to builds.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high, far- high fiber, low carb. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Try flavors such as mint brownie, coconut, and coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If you think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It will taste delicious, and it will be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Andrew. Unless there's any other pop culture you want to talk about. Nah, before... we got to get straight into yeah, the Oscars. Yeah, because there really, there really isn't any pop culture I want to talk about other than what happened at the Oscars. So, like I said, I was working Sunday night because I, I work Sunday nights. And I was like, oh, neat, the Oscars are on it. That'll be something to put on in the background. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to write anything about it unless there's a cool, like a funny meme or, you know, I don't know, some some nonsense and whatever. And lo and behold like 10 30 or whatever uh i think everybody knows the story by now but um i'm going to repeat it anyway um basically i believe chris rock was announcing an award i believe i i missed the lead-up context because i was actually writing something at the time but chris rock was announcing an award made a joke about will smith's wife specifically about her hair loss yes her hair loss which is an autoimmune disorder i don't remember the name of specifically alopecia thank you thank you uh so yeah he made a joke about that then will smith walked up to the stage smacked him in the face said (laughs) 
said to the equivalent of keep my wife's name out of your mouth. I'm censoring that because there was a there was a swear word in there. Um, and walked back down, sat down, and the show continued on like normal. Uh, it was wild. I missed it at first live. I didn't see it live on TV as it happened because, like I said, I was writing at the time. I was writing a funny little joke post about how people weren't a big fan of the We Don't Talk About Bruno performance because I thought it was funny. Uh, and, you know, the jokes were good. <laughs> and suddenly my Slack starts blowing, like work Slack starts blowing up. And like, people are like, what? What just happened? <laughs> and then I'm like, wait, what happened? I missed it. And then Twitter is like, wait, well, what happened? Because like in, in on the American broadcast, it was like it either froze or like was muted. Like half of that, like you didn't hear. We didn't hear like Will Smith say anything. Uh, it just kind of like cuts a cuts a black, not not black, but like it just like kind of froze basically for a little bit. People were confused as to what was going on. Yeah, and, it took advantage of the tape delay. Yeah, exactly, because they're, they have tape, tape delay like this for a reason. Uh, and it wasn't until other clips uh, coming around from like Australia or Japan uh, that, you know, gave us the full story of what happened because they didn't, you know, censor it. So, uh, Andrew, do you have thoughts? Because that kind of like... <laughs> That happened, and then nobody could move on. Like the rest of the show moved on, but like I don't, we, we as a society watching on TV and like on Twitter, I wasn't able to comprehend anything else that happened in the show afterwards. Like it was bonkers. I know you were recording, so like where were you when the slap happened? Were you recording? Like were you checking Twitter? What what was happening with you, man? Yeah, I was in the middle of my show, and there was like a comment that was like, "Hey, make sure you don't make fun of J.D. Pinkett Smith," and I was like. Okay. <laughs> and hilariously, at the end, I, I was on the Tony Ferrari, who's friend of the show. I closed out the show making fun of the fact that, like my hair is thinning and he's already bald, knowing nothing of the context of what had happened at the Oscars. And like my take is like everybody was in the wrong. Like mm -hmm. Chris Rock probably shouldn't have gone there. He has been going at the Smiths for years now, yeah. ever since the Oscars so white thing. And there's a lot of people who are like, oh, yeah, maybe he didn't know about the alopecia. But I don't really believe that. I think he mm -hmm. did. But also his joke was very tame. Like comparing her to G.I. Jane, to me, that was like, hey, you could use this for a movie role. It wasn't even necessarily making fun of her, per se. Mm -hmm. And Will Smith laughed at it. And then he looked over at Jada, who was fuming. Mm -hmm. And then the decision was made to go up on stage. I thought when I first saw it that he was going to go up and just be like, F off, you know, like, mm -hmm. stop this. And then he like looks down like he's not going to do anything and like, sucker slaps him. Mm -hmm. The first sucker slap I've ever seen. And I was honestly impressed that Chris Rock just took it. Just took it and stood there. Yeah, stood there. Didn't even touch his face. And continued on trying to present best documentary yeah because i would not have had the self-control that he had after will smith told him like keep my wife at my wife's name out of your mouth and he was like i will i could say and then he was like no and I, if it was me i would have been like will it wasn't me getting with her because the whole thing with him uh mm -hmm. being basically forced to go on tv and talk about her cheating on him which, I don't know, there's something about Jada Pinkett Smith. She seems very controlling to me. Mm. And I feel like Will just kind of does what she says. And 
I don't know. It just doesn't. It's never struck me as a very healthy relationship, which is hard to say from the outside. But that's that's Hollywood, baby. And the whole Scientology angle with them as well. It's just I a messed no, up situation. I have no like I don't really know about their marriage. Anything. Here's the thing. I don't care about celebrities. If you know, I saw a tweet or a post somewhere that was like, you know, we're focusing on the morality of all this thing when we should just be laughing at, you know, a $300 million man slapped a $100 million man in the face on public TV. That's all I care about with this angle. I don't yeah. have any, you know, takes about the right and wrong. Sure. Violence, bad, all that stuff, you know, jokes. That wasn't a great joke either. Maybe Chris Rock isn't the best comedian. I don't know. His jokes I have mean, never been he, funny. I he's, think yeah, we, he's not been that funny for like a decade. I mean, I only really know him from his like, time in madagascar i'm showing my age here oh but wow like, you are showing your age yeah i am okay but th the point is i don't care about celebrities that much i really don't uh but to me the memes and the jokes are funny because you know it's the internet this stuff is funny because it's celebrities uh and everything they do is just funny to me like i don't i don't know it's hard for me to have an opinion because a i don't know a whole lot about the relationships here in general other than i saw you know chris rock did make a joke about um her before a handful of years ago i don't remember when it was but other it was than during that, the whole oscar's so white thing but okay. i think but yeah, my where that, i come from with this is like could you imagine if during the Golden Globes when Ricky Gervais was hosting and he was making fun of Brad Pitt's divorce from Angelina Jolie, if mm -hmm. Brad Pitt went up and slapped Ricky Gervais, mm -hmm. like people would have gone nuts. And then Will Smith had to go on and accept best actor. Like, that was OK. That he was ruined the... his own best moment in his career. You know, that it was... kind of sucks. That was the chaos of the whole thing, because, yes, you're you're right. Not only did that slap happen and we had to go on like normal, like 20 minutes later, he then won best actor. Uh, so like <laughs> then he went up and his whole speech was like apologizing. It was it's a mess from all angles. I'm not here to, you know, non-apology to yeah, me. I'm not here to, you know, have a hot take about it. The, the internet right now is full of the hot takes and full of oh, the, the takes bad, are terrible. The, the takes are terrible. Like I'm just, I have no takes. I have none other than it is funny to me that a rich man slapped another rich man on national TV. And also it was censored by American TV. So we had to rely on like Japanese and Australian TV to even see it like that. That to me is the funny part here. I, I'm not going to, you know, debate the morality of the whole thing. A lot of it is also steeped in, you know, uh, black culture, which obviously, as we were making jokes about, like, not like 10 minutes ago, we are both white here on this show. So, like, I, I cannot, like, I don't know. It's There's a lot of nuance, I think, to this topic to be, you know, debated about, about other oh, yeah. things. <laughs> well, you but, want to talk about nuance. Chris Rock produced a documentary about the cultural importance of black hair. And mm -hmm. then one minute, what made fun of like, it, it's such a layered situation, you know, it is. and it, it really it's is very weird. Yeah. I will say it. The funniest part to me isn't even the slap. It's the fact that on the day that Will Smith does this and that Chris Rock, you know, makes a joke that is pretty tasteless, even though it wasn't that bad. The person that everybody's most mad at is Judd Apatow. <laughs> Oh yeah! Of his stupid Bad ass tweet talking about how died. he could have died. It's a slap. It's a slap. <laughs> yes, yes. If you want to be on Twitter, like now is a. Now is either a great or a bad time to be on Twitter, depending on how you view the, you know, 
how you enjoy these hot takes. If you love seeing people's bad takes, right now is an incredible time to be on Twitter. But if you're like me and you're like, how can people on the internet have these takes? It is a bad time. But yeah. the memes and the jokes are funny. Like, like I said, I think at the top of the show, this was like one of the top five nights on Twitter that I can remember. Uh, I mean, for me, like, because I saw a tweet also going around is like, what are your top five nights on Twitter? And for me, number one is the Eagles winning the Super Bowl because there was so much around that. And, you know, Tom Brady missing that catch and, you know, Nick Foles catching it. It was it was just a perfect culmination for me as a sports fan. Uh, but this is definitely up there. Like, I, I don't know if you can remember any other, you know, really fun nights or days on Twitter, moments on Twitter, because there are some times when Twitter is good. Last night was one of those moments. <laughs> and now we're just, we've devolved back into the bad because the hot takes are bad. But I don't know, Andrew, if you have any other fun Twitter memories, because God, this website is, it is, it is certainly a thing, Andrew. It is the instant reaction website. I feel like not even necessarily a single moment, but the Washington Capitals Cup celebration. Oh, yeah. All, that the, entire summer was fantastic. Swimming the in the fountain. And yes. Even like when St. Louis won, every uh, bit of snippet that we got to see of Brett Hall, mm -hmm. where it was like, I'm surprised he's not in a wheelchair mm -hmm. from how much he was drinking. Mm -hmm. There's some funny moments on Twitter, but overall, I, I can't really think off the top of my head of a specific moment that makes like a, a top five Twitter moment for me. I miss like, I miss like, I think when I ranked it, like in my head, I was like, man, I miss when Game of Thrones was relevant and good because those nights when the, sh when the show was running were like awesome. They were the wild. Yeah, they were. When the show was at its peak uh, and even to the end when it was bad, it was still, it was still fun to be on Twitter, but like, yeah, that was like one of them. I'm trying to remember what else, like, the dress obviously is a big one that happened while I was in college. That was the same day as the the llama incident escaping from the zoo. That happened the same day. That's why I remember it specifically because the dress happened and then the llamas escaped. And I don't remember like I don't know. I just I have a very specific specific memory of being in college uh, during yeah. that. But yeah, uh, I was gonna look something up, Andrew, real quick. So if you wanted to, you know, fill for a hot second. Sure, sure. I mean, the weirdest thing that's come out of all this is. There's been like leaked insider stuff talking about how the Academy is thinking about stripping Will Smith of his Oscar win for it. Oh, yeah. And like in isolation, I kind of get it. But also uh, they haven't stripped Roman Polanski of his Oscar. Mm -hmm. He raped a 13 year old, drugged yeah. and raped a 13 year old. Yeah. Woody Allen has been accused credibly of a lot of spousal abuse. Uh, I believe also sexual assault. I mean, also look at his wife, the fact that his wife used to be his daughter in law, like that's really messed up. There's tons of people. I mean, how long did they put up with Harvey Weinstein when credible accusations were well known within Hollywood circles? So the idea of stripping Will Smith of an Oscar win, which was legitimate, uh, is pretty crazy to me unless they go and do all that stuff first and. Man, I, I just don't understand how Hollywood operates to yeah. uh, to go with that as priorities. And I, I said that last night and a couple of people are accused me of what about ism. And it's like, no, what about ism is not the same as this. <laughs> not even close. This is you have to clean your own backyard before you start doing something else. That's uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. And like, Woody or not Woody Allen, um, 
Roman Polanski, even after he was kicked out of the United States, essentially, or like he will be arrested if he ever steps foot on United States soil, was given a standing ovation at the Oscars in like 2002. Mm-hmm. Like, so let's not pretend that Hollywood is this great moral high standard of content content. Bleh, sorry. High standard of uh, I don't even know what to say, what they're stupid thing was they were saying that he violated their uh their like behavioral standards or whatever because mm-hmm. i don't know i just find the whole thing is so hypocritical they would never do this to somebody who was a director or whatever what have you it's utter bullshit they even th- they would even leak that or think of it so i will say i found what i was looking for because i was looking for two specific things from last night the the ones i can remember specifically i will we talked a lot of, you know, I guess, sad, depressing Oscar stuff. But I will leave us off before we, you know, head into our, in- our exit. Uh, about two cool things from last night's Oscars. Uh, from uh, I didn't watch this movie, Coda. I know it. I believe it won Best Picture last night. It did, like I yeah. said, okay, good. <laughs> because I was, like I said, there was a lot of stuff happening last night after that slap. And I couldn't, you know. Pay attention to all of it. Uh, but Tony Kotzer, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, became the first deaf man to win an acting Oscar for his role in CODA. I believe it was probably supporting actor because, you know, as we said, Will Smith won best actor. Um, and the one I was really hoping for, which is Ariana DeBose, uh, becomes, or became the first openly queer woman of color to win an acting Oscar for her role as Anita in West Side Story. And I think I said it after I had... Um, I had watched the movie and talked about it on here that I really wanted her to win an Oscar. And she did. It was like one of the first awards awarded, um, you know, at the, at the Oscars last night. It was a really awesome speech. That was like the one I really wanted to talk about here outside of the whole slap thing. It was an incredible speech. Um, You know, she, she made reference to her being openly queer. um, And it's, you know, you know, she, she quoted the, line from the movie there is indeed a place for us uh it was a great it was a great speech and i wanted to shout her out specifically uh because i loved her performance as nita in west side story and it was just really great and you know she she really got her start as being the um the bullet in hamilton uh and has kind of grown from there and is you know won an oscar now for being in west side story i just i thought that was a really neat thing to end the show on because you know we talked a lot about you know it wasn't really difficult stuff i guess but you know a lot of nuanced stuff. This is something at least we can we can celebrate the goodness of here because, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there on the internet. But, you know, at least the memes are funny. But that's all we have for you today on the Crosstrek NHL Show. It's part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice from Apple to Odyssey to Spotify and YouTube. And write and review us while you're at it. You can follow the pod at Crosstrek NHL on Twitter. Me at Barry C. Clark on Twitter. And Andrew at Andrew Berkshire on Twitter. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL show your first listen every Tuesday and Friday. We'll be back on Friday with some more Puck Tuck, but now make your second listen, Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Host Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available on all platforms.